Welcome into the Roto Lounge for another night of talking fantasy football and drinking bourbon whiskey. We got the camera on tonight, right? Check. We got the mic on. Check. We got the bourbon whiskey. Check. And tonight, we got Scott Fishbowl. Talking Scott Fishbowl 10 tonight. Let me get started and get my whiskey poured. Uh-oh, a, a pick, a live pick on the air, live pick. Darius Geis, 8-4. Oh, shit. We'll get into that in a minute because I'm up in four more picks. But let me get a glass of whiskey because I have been needing a glass of whiskey all day long. And tonight I'm drinking what you see behind me. It is early times bottled in bonds. I have some here in a decanter. I have a few bottles uh, stashed and I'll tell you why. One, let's see how much I, check this out on YouTube, man. I'm full glass tonight. I need it, full glass tonight. Scott Fishbowl, things are going as planned, right? Things are always going as planned. I can't say anything else but going as planned. So we're drinking to Scott Fishbowl tonight. We're drinking to all the fantasy fans. I appreciate you tuning into the lounge. I was looking at some new reviews today, and I I greatly appreciate all of you that take the time to write those, those kind words about myself and the Roto Lounge. Me and all my bourbon babies are here for you. Uh, we're going to build our relationship, and we're going to continue onward towards these fantasy championships. So here's to you. Here's to me. Let's drink. Cheers. This is a good bourbon. Now, the reason that I stashed the early times bottled and bond is because it's a really good bourbon, and it's it's only twenty four ninety nine here in Ohio. If you can even find it uh, here in Ohio, we have uh, Ohio Liquor, and they control all our liquor sales, so you can kind of track where certain bottles are. Now, this this bottled and bond was re released in two thousand and seventeen, so it's really it's hard to find. And just recently, the Sazerac Corporation bought out Early Times. And there is talk that they may discontinue the Early Times line. Sazerac also owns Buffalo Trace. Uh, but I looked on the Ohio Liquor. They had a liquor store that said they had a full supply. I go to this liquor store and they said, we haven't seen that in in months. So I'm guessing somebody took it out the back door because Ohio Liquor tracks their inventory um, through the website. So I am on the hunt for more bottles. I have one behind me unopened. I have one in here and I believe I have one more stash. So I have a few bottles stashed. Uh, it is going to be a hard bourbon to get, especially if they discontinue it. So keep your eye out. It's not the early times traditional. It's the early times bottled and bond. It's a hundred proof packs a punch. It's got, uh, some hints of gingerbread. At first, at first when I when I got this, I really wanted to like it because I heard so many good things about it, and it had a bitter aftertaste, almost like a citrus peel, like if you bite into an orange peel. But after I've been drinking it uh, more often, uh, it's actually starting. My palate is starting to get used to it, and um, and I really like it. And, and you know, it's it's a sweet bourbon, twenty five dollars, probably some of the best value you're gonna find 
anywhere if you can even find it. So if you see anybody, hear anybody that has early times bottled and bond with the blue label, uh, get your hands on a bottle. You will not be disappointed for that price point. All right. So as you can see, I am representing the muscle division in Scott Fishbowl 10. Kudos to my league mates. Hold on. Is there another pick? Philip Rivers. Ooh, getting close. Roto Lounge, you are next. Hold on. Where are we at? This is live. You're hearing this live. Oh, I missed a lot. So Darius Geis, Jarvis Landry, Drew Locke, and Philip Rivers. I'm actually on the clock. Well, we're going to talk about I have eight hours to make this pick, and I already know who I'm going to pick only because Philip Rivers and Drew Locke are gone. That knocked it down to one quarterback left that I want, and we'll talk about that. But for those that are not in Scott Fishbowl, the scoring is very, very tricky, and we'll talk about that. But also, if you're not familiar with the Bourbon Bowl, I'm going to have a Bourbon Bowl league this year, multiple leagues, hopefully. We have one league of 12 that's already filled. Uh, it's 20 bucks ahead. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, DM me, send me a screenshot. Uh, 20, you'll, you'll get your seat saved, and then 20 bucks will get you in. Right now, the winner, the winner of the Bourbon Bowl is going to get an expensive bottle of bourbon and a trophy uh, for the inaugural Bourbon Bowl 2020. Uh, I'm not going to pocket any money. It's all going to... The prize pool, shipping, the bottle, the trophy, everything uh, is all going to the first place team. So if you haven't, if you're interested, DM me on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, get your ass to Twitter. Follow me at Roto Lounge. Leave a review. Send me a DM. Screenshot it. It'll save you a seat. If I can get another league of 10 or 12 people, I'll be in that one as well. And uh, we'll have multiple bourbon bowls. And I hope to continue this. Um, as long as you guys are willing and, and girls are willing and want to listen to me uh, talk fantasy football and uh, and drink bourbon whiskey. So let's get bourbon bowl filled. Let's get that started. I'm hoping to probably get it started after Scott Fishbowl, but we're going to use the same scoring format. Um, so bear with me, those in the first league. If you haven't, if you're not in the Twitter chat of the 12, then you are not in that first league because I've already created a chat. Uh, so if you're not in that chat room, DM me. We'll start another league, and I need to get at least 10 or 12, uh, and we'll have a separate league uh, for the Bourbon Bowl. So the Scott Fishbowl rules scoring is very tricky. It is – let me try to remember off the top of my head. So you're starting one quarterback. You're starting two running backs, three wide receivers, three flex – I'm sorry, one tight end, three flex, and a super flex. So – Quite a bit of uh, availability for, for roster construction. And scoring for quarterbacks is tricky. So it's negative one for incompletions, plus one for completions. I think negative one or two for interceptions, negative one or two for sacks, negative four or six for pick six. I mean, all the things that you don't want to do, uh, you get negative points for. So quarterbacks are very, uh, very important in this league. Uh, you know, other stats across the board or traditional, it's a half PPR. You also get a half point for first downs, but tight ends 
get an extra half PPR and an extra half for first down, making it a tight end premium. But then you have the super flex. So that can be a tight end. That can be a quarterback. So there's a lot of strategies going into Scott Fishbowl. And if you're on Twitter and you see everyone posting their lineups, every league is different. Some leagues are very sharp. Some leagues, maybe they're not as sharp. Some leagues go quarterback early. Some go quarterback late. Some go running back early. I mean, every league is different. Uh, So it's hard to even say who can end up with the best team because everyone has a different strategy. Everyone looks at their team completely different. They see value completely different than the next person. Uh, So really, it's it's how you want to build that team. And and I'm going to go tonight into how I built my team, what my approach was, and uh, and let you guys let me know how you think it is after. Uh, eight rounds so let's have a drink and and we'll get started all right so before i get started let me plug in i have my spreadsheet here i have all positions uh projected who i think is going to go where i did expect one quarterback to go but two went so that's going to put me not in a bind but um i didn't want to go quarterback here but i have to uh, so let's see where we're at. Team nine. Devontae Parker. Yeah, then then guys. Let's see. So running back. Then wide receiver. Quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. And your boy is on the clock. All right. All right, so I ended up picking one five. All right, and, and and shout out to all my my league mates. They're they're pretty sharp. I had the one five. Uh, so the one uh, one one ended up being Patrick Mahomes. Here, let me pull up my draft summary. We'll go over it. Um, number one was Patrick Mahomes. He went at the one one. Number two, Christian McCaffrey. Number three, Lamar Jackson, and number four was Saquon Barkley. So I picked at number five, and and through the entire process, you know, the top four were pretty much locked. So I knew I was locking in to Zeke Elliott. I really wanted Zeke Elliott. A few reasons why I wanted Zeke. I think um, since he's entered the league, I believe he's been a top 10 running back every single year. Last year, he held out and really started slow, and I, I was actually on the fade Zeke Elliott last year because of the holdout. I wasn't sure when he was coming in. He got his paycheck. He came in. I think he even finished top five in running backs last year with a slow start. Um, You look at McCarthy's history in Green Bay. He had a running back, Eddie Lacy. One year, Eddie Lacy had 40-plus catches, 400-plus yards, and four touchdowns through the air. And then another... Uh, 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns on the ground. All right, that's Eddie Lacy. All right, now the Cowboys are returning Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, so there's some um, consistency there with each other. And they got CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. Seems like everyone's healthy to really open the field up. I think Zeke is going to be a monster this year. I think there's a potential for Zeke to be the number one running back. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Nobody knows. I mean, if, if we even have a season. But, you know, into the going into this draft, you have to believe that we're going to have a season. You have to approach it that way. Uh, you can, you know, deviate a little bit for certain strategies. But um, 
all in all, you got to just consider that we're going to have this season. And I think Zeke, in a full season, I think Zeke can finish as the RB1. So I was locked in on Zeke. And then on the way back, I wanted to get Russell Wilson. Uh, looking at some mock drafts, him and Kyler Murray were right on the cusp of uh, landing at my second pick. And last year, under this scoring format, Russell Wilson was, I believe, fourth week to week as far as points and fifth quarterback overall, something in that scenario. I mean, he was really good every week plus during the year. Uh, and it's, it's very hard to get a good quarterback with the completions, with the incompletions, um, because you have to have a 66% completion percentage just to be in the positive range for a quarterback. Now, all of you remember the Sam Darnold game last year against the Patriots where he said he was seeing ghosts. Under this scoring format, Sam Darnold had negative 29 points in that game. All right, so it just shows you how important the quarterback position is in this scoring format, and you have a chance to score to start two of them. You can have one in the super flex, and you can have one as a starter if you're getting positive points. So my strategy was to get two quarterbacks early and hopefully secure a third quarterback uh, and. and once my strategy kind of went off the rail, once everything went off the rail, I, I kind of changed my strategy up, and I'll tell you exactly what it was. Um, I'm just getting updates here through the draft and stuff, so I'm going to be checking my phone periodically. But so Russell Wilson was my target. I was praying that Russell Wilson was going to follow me. A Zeke Russell Wilson uh, start was going to be huge for you know my expectations. Well, that fell off the rails really quick. Uh, so after I picked Zeke Elliott, uh, the next pick was Alvin Kamara. Um, and then, uh, let's see, and then it was Dalvin Cook. And then Travis Kelsey goes early because it's tied in premium. They get the extra half point PPR and half point first down. Then it went to George Kittle. I love George Kittle this year. I think George Kittle has a chance to be tied in one. I mean, I believe he only scored three touchdowns last year. I mean, he's just a beast. And with the Debo injury, perhaps missing some time, you know, I don't think Ayuk is going to step up and be that great his first year. I think Kittle's going to be the guy that they go to. Uh, so I really like that pick. Then Derrick Henry, uh, Joe Mixon, and Michael Thomas ended the top 12. All right, and as, I, as you saw earlier, I have a spreadsheet. I have every pick. I write down what team's positions they're drafting. So when it comes to me, if I'm considering, let's say if I'm considering a quarterback, I'm going to look at all the teams after me and see if they need a quarterback. And if they potentially do, that's going to influence me to perhaps take one earlier rather than wait. Um, if I need a running back and everybody behind me has a ton of running backs, perhaps I'll wait, take a different position, and when it comes back, jump on that running back. So I'll talk about that in a minute because um, there are some teams that need quarterbacks um, and, and with Locke and Rivers going, that could put an owner at a disadvantage right now uh, in this draft. So, all right, so starting round two, it went Dak Prescott, Miles Sanders, and then Russell Wilson at 2-3. So I'm like, shit, there goes, there goes my strategy for my quarterback. Let's see who falls. I don't even know who's going to fall at this point because he went much earlier than the ADP or the, the mock drafts. So you learn real quick that the mock drafts, I read going into the draft that 
mock drafts completely get thrown out the window. Once the draft starts and, and the bullets are flying for real, you know, owners are drafting completely different. Perhaps in mock drafts, people were just testing strategies. But once the bullets are flying, they're securing the players that they feel like they need to win. Quarterbacks are going earlier. Tight ends are going earlier. Uh, completely different strategies. So Russell Wilson goes off the board. Then it's Austin Eckler. Then Deshaun Watson, another quarterback. Then DeAndre Hopkins. Then Kyler Murray. So I'm like, okay, I kind of narrowed it down to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. They both are gone. So I'm sitting there, and Drew Brees is sitting there, all right? And before the draft, Drew Brees was getting hype, right? Drew Brees only played, I think, 11 or 12 games last year. He finished as the wide or the quarterback six under this scoring format because I believe he had a 70-plus per completion percentage. Now, I know if you look at his stats at the end of the year, it was just ungodly numbers. I mean, he was throwing. He was just so efficient, uh, but... In other Scott Fishbowl drafts, Drew Brees was going in the first round. And I believe it was because, you know, owners were reading about last year. And, you know, he was the sixth best quarterback and he only played 11 games. You know, how's he going to look if he plays a full season, uh, you know, with that type of efficiency? And and Drew Brees has always been a good quarterback. So I'm sitting there and I said, you know what? I got to pull the trigger. I... Basically thought I was going to get Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. And I plan to build my team around a running back quarterback start. So I felt like Drew Brees was too good a value to to pass up. So I went ahead and I got Drew Brees. I took him. So now I got my quarterback and my receiver. So next goes Kenyon Drake, which I did like Kenyon Drake. I thought he might fall to the third round. I was going to take a shot on him. I think he has a chance to be a top five running back. Um, He went early. Then is Nick Chubb, then is Devontae Adams, and then Josh Jacobs. On the way back, it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which I thought was a little too early, but, you know, I could be wrong. Clyde Edwards goes. This is by the same guy that took Patrick Mahomes 101, so that could have a lot of influence in his decision stacking Clyde Edwards with Patrick Mahomes. So every dump off that Clyde Edwards gets, Mahomes is going to get the points if it's a first down, so on and so forth. So it's not a bad strategy to stack. Um, It all depends if you're in the right spot. There's certain times I wanted to stack and then I went off of it just because I thought there was better value. Uh, But there's going to be a lot of stacking in this format because you've got to figure out how to get the most points every week and i'll explain to you why that that's important as we go on so after clyde edwards then it goes tyreek hill jonathan taylor and then julio jones all right so i'm up now my mindset is i want to stack the buccaneers offense i think that the i think under arians and brady uh i think the buccaneers passing attack is going to be very high scoring this year So I wanted Godwin because, in my opinion, Godwin is basically Edelman on steroids. I think he's going to be the guy that Brady uh, targets often because he's going to be playing this slot under Arian's offense. And there's debate on how the Bucs are going to, you know, run the offense. Some think they're going to run the 12 personnel. Some think they're going to run the 11 personnel. But there was a quote from Bruce Arians that I read, 
And he basically said, so Tom Brady came in and Tom Brady wanted to change the offense. And Bruce Arian talked to him and said, Tom, we can either teach 11 other players or 10 other players your offense or one player, which is you, can learn our offense. And so Tom Brady agreed, okay, I will learn your offense but they're going to throw some wrinkles in it. They brought Gronk in. This was before the this was before the Gronk signing. So Gronk came. I think it was before the Gronk signing. So Gronk came in. I believe personally that Gronk's going to overtake O.J. Howard if they run one tight end. I can't imagine um, that they're going to run two tight ends and put Godwin on the outside. Um, but you never know. But I think Godwin is going to be the target for Tom Brady. So. I went with Godwin with my pick because I really think Godwin, with, under this scoring format, um, with receptions, first downs, yards, I think Godwin can have a really big year. I think Godwin has the potential to be the wide receiver one. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do here. So I try, I'm trying to get the number one position or the number one player to every position. So a few years ago, I entered a big fantasy football tournament uh, in the winter of that tournament got a trip to the Super Bowl and it was only a hundred guys and Scott Fishbowl is fourteen hundred guys or fourteen hundred players. This was only a hundred players and I ended up taking down the entire tournament. Uh, they sent me to the Super Bowl, Colts versus Saints, um, got the Super Bowl ticket, got the Breeze jersey, got everything. It was a, a great time. Met Snoop Dogg. So it, just a terrific time. So I, I before the Scott Fishbowl, I went back to that draft and I said, what did I do? What did I do that gave me the edge? Because afterwards, they put me, I, I got on the sports radio with uh, Ian, Ian Thomas uh, and Ron, Ron and Ian in Tampa for anyone in Florida. I was in Florida at the time. So I was on the uh, 620 WDA Ron and Ian show. And they told me, you know, they were like, you know, when it got down to the end, we thought it was going to be, you know, pretty close between uh, the, the, uh, the finalists because basically, there was 10 leagues of 10 players, right? And this was, you know, back uh, when the Saints Super Bowl, so I don't know if that was 2010. I don't remember when that was. Um, but it was 10 leagues of 10 players, and each winner had the high score. So whoever had the high score of those 10 guys won everything. So I ended up winning everything, and when they were at the radio, this is the first time I heard it, they said, we thought it was going to be close, but you just destroyed the field you just destroyed everybody so that was kind of surprising to me so i looked back and i think i picked eight that year and my first pick was i remember i wanted matt forte and he ended up going seventh so at eight i ended up taking chris johnson chris johnson that was the year he went for two thousand yards so he was my running back one he ended up being the running back one that year uh my second this is was my philosophy. So the very first time I've ever considered a stack, I wanted to stack an offense. So I looked at the strength of schedule. I looked at the playoff schedule. I looked at everything. And I thought that the Houston Texans were going to be the team that I wanted to stack that year. So with my second pick, I drafted Andre Johnson. Uh, with my In that year, Andre Johnson uh, ended up being the wide receiver one. My third pick, I ended up taking Frank Gore, which was the year Frank Gore broke out i think he ended up being running back five um later in the draft i stacked andre johnson with matt schaub the year uh, i think it was his second year in houston and he really blew up him and andre johnson just had a great connection 
Uh, I stacked them with Owen Daniels, so I had three players from the Texans. But anyways, so the goal was going into this, I wanted to stack an offense, an explosive offense. I wanted to try to get the top players at each position. And obviously, when you're playing with, I mean, this is this was so long ago. Now you're playing with even sharper minds, uh, a lot more resources. Uh, so, you know, my strategy clearly changed after the second round. So I drafted Godwin thinking that he could be the wide receiver one, and I wanted to stack him with Tom Brady. So I was going to take Tom Brady, I think, in the third round. I was going to go Zeke. I'm sorry. I was going to go Zeke, Bra Breeze, Godwin, and then Brady in the fourth. Well, nothing works as you plan, especially in Scott Fishbowl. So after I take uh, Chris Godwin, Zach Ertz goes, then Le'Veon Bell, which I think was pretty early, then Matt Stafford, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, which I was hoping to get Todd Gurley a little later, but he go he went pretty early. Mar uh, Matt Ryan, Mark Andrews, and then 4-1 come back with Leonard Fournette, and then Calvin Ridley, top of the fourth round, which was a huge, a huge surprise because Ridley was going in like round six in the ADP, so he went almost two rounds early. I'm seeing people post on Twitter that they got Calvin Ridley in the fifth, sixth round. I'm like, man, top of the fourth in our league. So I don't know if that's because of the hype over Calvin Ridley, but he went pretty early, so that was pretty surprising. Then Odell Beckham, Carson Wentz. Quarterbacks are just flying off the board. David Montgomery, 4-5. All right, I'm thinking that I'm going to be able to get David Montgomery after I take Brady in the fourth. So I'm going to end up with uh, Zeke, Breeze, Brady, Godman, Montgomery. And I'm going to be like, this is like team value right here with upside. But nope, someone had to fucking shit on my parade. David Montgomery, 4-5. Then 4-6. If that wasn't enough, 4-6, Tom fucking Brady. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Now, the one thing about that that I should talk about I mentioned earlier, we were talking about how important points are for the week. So week 13 is the first round of the Scott Fishbowl playoffs. And it's the same week that the Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers have a bye week. So there's a little strategy. Do you want to have players off the first week of the playoffs? Because it really could eliminate you from the competition. But this is how scoring works according to Scott Fish. So week 13... They take your weekly average for the year. So what you average every week, they add that to your week 13 score, and that's your final week 13 score. So if you have someone in a week 13 buy, you, one, either need to win your division to get a bye week, week 13, or you need to score a lot each week during the year to be able to add that to your week 13. So you have to take into consideration anytime you want to take a Buccaneer or you want to take um, a Panther, that first round of the playoffs, they might not be available. So my strategy changed. As soon as Tom Brady went, my strategy changed. And you have to try to find any type of advantage you can to always be a step ahead of your competition. So I knew through three rounds that this was a sharp, sharp group. So I was like, I need to figure out a way to score the most points every week 
so that my week 13, I will be able to advance based on my weekly average plus what I get that week. So my quick strategy was I'm going to draft everyone with a different buy week. I'm going to take the best value available and they cannot have the same buy. So right now we're in round eight. I'm about to pick again. Nobody on my team has the same buy week. All right. I can't say that for everybody because I'm looking at my thing right now. Team nine has two quarterbacks and they both have the same bye week and that's Wentz and Baker. And I believe they both have bye week nine if I've typed it in right. So I don't know any other bye weeks, but I was looking at these quarterback bye weeks because I'm trying to project when the quarterbacks are going to go. And I thought I projected team nine to take another quarterback, but they didn't. They went a running back instead. Um, but if Wentz and Baker both have bye week nine, they're going to be in a hurt if they don't get another quarterback to take over that place. But in my opinion, you need three quarterbacks. Because one, if you have two quarterbacks that are good, that are productive, you're going to use one in the super flex and you're going to use one as your starter. But if one of those goes down, you're down to one quarterback. All right. So in my opinion, you need to have three uh, just to get over the hump. And, and I reach on a quarterback. I'm going to admit that I reached on a quarterback because I really wanted him. Um, and we'll continue to go through that. So Brady goes in round four. So I'm fucking pissed. And then James Conner, another late running back we talked about. Can't get him. Then I'm on the clock. So Brady goes two picks before me. How how pissed off are you at that? And let me tell you, anyone in my league, anyone in the muscle division chat room, I don't tell you guys when y'all fucking snipe me. But y'all been fucking sniping me and it's pissing me off. So y'all need to tighten up. Or I need to tighten up. One of us needs to tighten up. Anyways, they're sharp as hell. So I'm glad I'm in a tough division because it just makes me better. Um, so I'm sitting there and I said, you know what? There's a few guys that I want. I can't even remember now who I was debating between. But it was Jimmy Garoppolo and another player. And I don't remember who it was. But I was going back and forth. Who I, who I felt that I wanted. Ultimately, I went with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'll tell you why. So Jimmy Garoppolo, other than the year he got hurt, he's had a 67, 68, and 69% completion percentage. Okay? Before the Scott Fishbowl draft, everyone's saying Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, because they have this great completion percentage. They don't get sacked often. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. Okay. I mean, that's previous years. It doesn't mean it's always going to happen this following year. So I'm comparing Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm comparing Kirk Cousins. And I'm really not a big fan of Kirk Cousins. He's just never excited me. And you guys know, all the way last year, I have been talking about Jimmy G. Buy him low. Under Mike Shanahan, he is going to be in position to win an MVP. Shanahan will end up passing the ball and, and Jimmy G is going to break out one day. And I'm just, I'm betting that it's this season. I'm betting that Jimmy G, I'm betting that uh, teams are ready for that run game and they come prepared and the 49ers have to pass more. And the news just broke two or three hours ago that Raheem Moster now is requesting a trade because he wanted a, a contract renegotiation and the 49ers are basically like, fuck you. 
you're 31 years old, you know, we're not going to give you a big contract because you had, you know, a few few big games because the way Shanahan is, just put it, just put any running back in there, undrafted free agents, whatever. He's got the fourth highest paid running back, Jared McKinnon, right now, I think. Uh, he's injured. Then he paid Tevin Coleman money. You think they're really going to pay Raheem Mostert any money? No. Maybe they give him a slight bump raise, but they're not going to renegotiate his contract and give him a big deal. I mean, that's my opinion. So you compare Jimmy G and, and, and um, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins had, I think, it was like seven, seven fewer sacks, five or six fewer interceptions. They're both pretty efficient. They both had similar yards, and they both had similar touchdowns. So Cousins was better because he took less sacks and he, and he threw less picks. But that can change year over year, right? That's not that's not really sticky because it depends on who you're playing. Uh, there's a lot of factors that can affect whether you're taking a sack, whether you're taking an interception. Now, the 49ers, they just traded for, uh, I think it's Trent Williams, the offensive lineman that was from Redskins so now he's on the 49ers so that could buy Jimmy G more time so I really wanted Jimmy G my gut was telling me to take Jimmy G I knew it was the fourth round um I can look I have my ADP here Jimmy G was actually projected to go um and where is he uh sixth rounds so he was projected to go in the sixth rounds in adps but again you can't go by adps because if i would have passed on jimmy g knowing my luck somebody would have taken him and it would have pissed me off because my gut was telling me to take jimmy g so i pulled the trigger in the fourth round for jimmy g uh and you can go back after the after the picks and say you know maybe i should have waited around who knows uh i got some comments in the muscle chat that Jimmy G would have been gone in the fifth round. So, you know, I'm okay with it. Um, I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, I think that if if I'm accurate in thinking that def- defenses are going to come to stop the run, that they're going to have to pass more. And uh, and I hope that uh, it improves uh, Jimmy G's efficiency, and, and I hope he shoots up the, uh, the rankings there. So I went with Jimmy G. After that, when Aaron Rodgers, which I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers, anyone that listens to me know that I, I think Matt LaFleur is is um, trying to be a run-heavy offense. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's going to have some good games, but I think nine times out of ten, it's going to be you know a ball control type game. So cheers. Polishing this whiskey. We're going to get some more real quick. And we're only in, I'm drinking more whiskey, and we're only in round four. This might go off the rails real quick. I hope y'all are drinking at home with me. It's not fun if you're listening to this in the morning or in the afternoon. You guys and girls need to start listening to this at night. You have a couple drinks in you. Get on my level. It's much more enjoyable, I promise. After Aaron Rodgers, Melvin Gordon... Darren Waller, mm, not a big fan of Darren Waller. Then Josh Allen at 412. The knock on Josh Allen is he has a terrible passing percentage last year. I think it was 58. Um, a lot of people are hard on Josh Allen. He has this stigma because as coming out as a rookie, 
you know, they were talking about how inaccurate he was. He had, you know, the, the biggest arm, but he's so inaccurate. But, and that's true, right? Josh Allen is a very good fantasy quarterback. He's not the greatest reality quarterback. But if you've been watching film, if you if you watch Josh Allen, Josh Allen is not the same quarterback that he was at Wyoming. When he trained with Jordan Palmer and he came to the Bills his rookie year, I played the quarterback position, so I know watching him, he was a completely different quarterback. His mechanics were different. Uh, his throwing motion was a tad bit different. He was just a completely different quarterback, and I think it surprised a lot of people because he was actually pretty efficient. Um, he went from his rookie year to his uh, sophomore year, he went up 4% in his passing completion percentage. So last year he finished at a 58% completion percentage. Now, if he, he they just got Stephon Diggs, if he can go up four more, right, he's already at 62%. Now, that's not necessarily positive, but he could take a much larger leap than that. Um, and he's got the rushing upside. If you watch him in the playoffs, this guy has a freaking demeanor like he does not want to lose. I mean, I, I, I earned so much respect. That guy earned so much respect for me. I mean, he was trying to win that game by himself. Uh, and that's the type of quarterback that you want. So I was kind of hoping that people would not want Josh Allen. So he would fall to me and I could take him as my, you know, my third quarterback. But once I took Jimmy G, because I, I could have had Jimmy G or Josh Allen. I prefer Jimmy G only because I think Jimmy G has a chance to be one of the top quarterbacks this year uh, based on the Kyle Shanahan scheme. And when he had Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan was an MVP. And, and yes, I know he had Julio Jones. Uh, he had a legit stud wide receiver one. Uh, I think George Kittle is legit wide receiver one. So I think that if uh, Jimmy G can um, continue to improve, I think Jimmy G can have a great season. So after Josh Allen on the way back, uh, that owner, uh, Back-to-back -back went A.J. Brown. Then Kenny Galladay. That's who That's who I was debating. That's who I was debating. Jimmy G or Kenny Galladay. Because I wanted that wide receiver one. Kenny Galladay is such an alpha. People are so high on Matt Stafford. Uh, if Matt Stafford remains healthy, Kenny Galladay is going to have a huge year. Uh, could threaten to be a top three wide receiver in the NFL and in fantasy, and I really wanted him. I thought maybe if I took Jimmy G, because I, I just wanted, I just wanted that second quarterback. Because I, like I mentioned earlier, you got to have two quarterbacks that you can trust, and then probably have a third just in case there's an injury. So, I wanted Jimmy G, and I took him, and hoping that Kenny Galladay would fall to me. Well, he didn't. So, pissed me off again. It, it just shows you you cannot prepare. You do, you can think that you know what's going to happen, but you have no idea. You just have to go with your gut, and then you have to have a plan B. You can't draft scared, right? You have to try to take control of your draft board. And by, by taking Jimmy G, I wanted to make sure that I was in control of my draft. I didn't want to play from behind, scared the whole time, drafting a quarterback that I wasn't sure about their bye weeks. Uh, their, their late season schedule. Cause I'm also looking at late season schedule. Um, and if you look at Drew Brees and let me pull this up, Drew Brees and, uh, Jimmy G their late season schedule. Um, 
I believe is good. I believe I believe is nice. So you're looking at week 13. All right, week 13. Uh, Saints play at Atlanta, so Breeze is on turf at Atlanta, which should be a shootout, and the Bills play at the 49ers. So that might not be a great game for Jimmy G, but he's at home um, in good weather, and they might have to score against Buffalo to, to win. Uh, week 14, we're looking at um, the Saints play at Philly. All right, that could be a shootout. I don't really have a choice because Drew Brees was my number one quarterback. And then the Redskins go to San Francisco. So Jimmy G should light them up if they don't run all over them. Um, week 15. Uh, let's see what we got here. We got um, Kansas City at New Orleans. That's going to be a shootout, right? So Drew Brees is going to be money in week 15 as long as he's healthy. And then San Francisco travels to Dallas. That should be another shootout if Dallas can score against the 49ers. Uh, that should be a good one. And then week 16, the Vikings play at the Saints. So the Saints are at home on turf. I'll take that all day. And San Francisco goes to Arizona. So they're on turf, and they're playing at Arizona, which was kind of suspect defense last year. Now, the one thing with my strategy is if I take – you know, if I try to spread out all my bye weeks and have nobody have the same bye week, something's going to happen with COVID where they're going to shut down and then everyone's going to have the same bye week and then bye weeks are going to be thrown out the window and it's going to completely throw off my strategy or they're going to change the schedule and whatever I'm drafting on is going to completely flip. But I can't really prepare for that because I don't know what's going to happen. So... I'm just going by if it's a regular season, how would I draft? Because the Scott, let's, let's be honest, the Scott Fishbowl with 1,400 competitors, it's going to take a lot of luck. You're going to have to have a good draft, but then you're going to have to have a lot of luck as well. So, you know, I'm drafting based on the thought that the season is going to be played just as scheduled. They're not going to change anything. They're not going to change bye weeks because what else am I going to go by? So that's. You know, that's kind of my thought process. So I went with Jimmy G there. Um, so where are we at? Uh, Kenny Galladay went. All right. Like I said, I, I love Kenny Galladay. Then Chris Carson, not a fan. Allen Robinson, that's another good pick. I, I'm, I'm kind of mm, skeptical of the quarterback situation there. I'm not sure what's going to happen. So now I'm on the clock. All right. So I'm on the clock. I have a running back with bye week 10. I have a quarterback with bye week six. I have a wide receiver with bye week 13. And I have a quarterback bye week 11. So, so none of my players have the same bye week. And running back value is kind of slim. Quarterback value, I don't need. Tight end, meh, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and take a tight end late because right now the top four are gone, anyways. So, my thought process is I'm going to start stacking wide receiver ones. Because you have to start three, and then you also have three flex. So, yes, I don't have a lot of running backs, but if I can stack wide receiver ones that are the focal point of their offense with different bye weeks, perhaps I can accumulate a lot of points every week. So I'm looking at I'm looking at wide receivers, and the wide receivers that I'm debating are DJ Moore, but 
The reason I don't take DJ Moore is because he's got week 13 by the same as Chris Godwin. Otherwise, I probably would have taken him. Uh, Mike Evans was there, but also the same bye week as Chris Godwin and on the same team. So I can't take I uh, can't take Mike Evans. Um, Odell Beckham. I'm not quite sure what that offense is going to look like. Wait, actually, Odell might have been gone. Cooper Cup. Um, not a fan of Cooper Cup. I'm actually a fan of Robert Woods this year, so I passed on him. Um, and Amari Cooper, which I really love Amari Cooper. People are hating on Amari Cooper. That's my boy. I think I have him as the first or second dynasty. No, he's not the first or second. He's probably second. Yeah, he's second to third or fourth dynasty wide receiver on rotolounge.com. I mean, I think Amari Cooper is just, he's a fucking god, man. He is so athletic, so talented. Um, I don't know why people are hating on him because CD Lamb went there. CD Lamb, pfft. we've already talked about CD Lamb. Don't get me started on CD Lamb. If you follow me, don't get me started on CD Lamb. Amari Cooper is the real deal, and I wanted Amari Cooper, but he's got the same bye week as Zeke Elliott, so I can't. I mean, yes, he could finish top ten, and Zeke could finish top ten just like last year, and it could be a, a great stack. But it's the same bye week. And I just mentioned I'm trying to get as many points as I can each bye week because you've got to take risks. So I went Team Juju. Now, I don't know what people think about Juju Smith-Schuster. Last year, last year I think I had him first or second wide receiver in the draft. So if you listen to my breakout or you listen to my uh, mock draft episode, I believe I had him first or second and he and he bombed i mean he got hurt big ben got hurt what are you gonna do but i'm rolling the dice i'm going back to the well with juju hoping that big ben can stay healthy i'm hoping that juju can stay healthy and just put up an 1100 10 touchdown season and be that focal point of the steelers offense plus he has a different buy than everybody else plus I was going to try to stack Big Ben and Juju later in the draft. And I'll tell you how that ended up. But now my thought process is, okay, let me draft players that perhaps I can stack. Um, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Let me start getting those stacks like best ball so that if this player goes off, his quarterback goes off the same week, right? Um that's that's what my goal is going to be. Hold on. Let me fix that real quick. Make sure there's no blur. All right. I hope y'all are drinking with me because this Hunter Proof is getting pretty serious. It's not very often you just drink Hunter Proof straight on ice. But all my bourbon fans out there know. If y'all are drinking bourbon, upgrade to the Hunter Proof. One, they taste better. And two... It, it gets you feeling good a lot quicker. All right, so Juju went. I took Juju. I'm I'm team Juju. So now looking at my team, my my wide receivers have bye week 13 and bye week 8. So I'm looking good. All right. Next, Daniel Jones goes pretty early, but he's got wheels. He can run. Then goes Mike Evans. Then goes Adam Thielen. I really like Adam Thielen this year. I really like Adam Thielen this year uh, coming back without 
Stephon Diggs. Um, I think he is going to be Cousins' go-to target if he can stay healthy. So I was kind of hoping that he would fall, but that did not happen. All right, then goes Baker Mayfield. Then goes my boy, Amari Cooper. Nice job. Phil Murphy. Phil Merton. I think you can find him on Twitter, at Phil Merton. Cooper. Nice pick. Then DJ Moore. Elliot. Oh, Elliot. Great pick, DJ Moore. Couldn't I couldn't take him. I couldn't take him. I would have. Trust me, I would have. Kirk Cousins goes. 512. Then on the sixth one, David Johnson. So I, I could have taken I could have taken David Johnson instead of Juju because I need to run him back. But I'm not a big fan of David Johnson. And here's the thing that I want to warn you guys about. Do not draft a player just because position scarcity okay do not draft a guy that maybe you don't believe in because you need that position because what's going to happen is you're going to end up finding yourself behind the eight ball chasing picks just drafting players trying to keep up with everybody and you're going to have a roster full of players that one you don't believe in and two they're probably not going to be successful right so I'm not going to take a guy like David Johnson just because I need a running back when I don't think he's going to be that good. I would rather take a guy like Juju who I think can put up 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns and be a wide receiver one on my team over a running back that I'm not, not really uh, in favor of just because I need a running back. So I implore you to take who you feel is the best player and figure it out. You're going to find value later in the draft. There's free agency. There's a waiver wire. It doesn't end at the draft. So draft your best players available and don't reach for players other than Jimmy G. Don't reach for players unless it, your gut's telling you to, unless you feel like it. So I didn't reach on David Johnson. I didn't take him. Uh, the next up, 6'2", Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I think we, we've talked, right? We've talked. You've listened to the lounge. I think Teddy is going to have a, a really good season, a solid season. I really thought Teddy was going to fall sixth round. I, I figured he would fall to like the ninth or tenth. I didn't think anyone was going to take him that early. But in this case, Elliot, Elliot Props, E-L-I-O-T-P-R-O-P-S, I think he's a fan. I love Teddy. That was a good pick. I love Teddy. I would have taken him late. Probably not that early, but I do love Teddy. So good pick there. Uh, then goes Ryan Tannehill's quarterbacks, man. We're, we're only in the sixth round, and like all the quarterbacks that you know are almost gone. 6-4, my boy Cam Akers. I like Cam Akers in Dynasty. I'm really not quite sure what he's going to do this year. Um... So I wasn't really kind of hurt on that one. Then goes DeAndre Swift. Then goes DK Metcalf. Then goes Cooper Cup. Then your boy's on the clock. All right, 6'8". I already know who I want. Well, I really don't know who I want. I'm debating between two players. And that, I believe, is Robert Woods, Raheem Mostert, and Kareem Hunt, right? Three players that I'm debating on. 
We talked about how I felt about Kareem Hunt as a late-round pick. He could be a league winner. Raheem Mostert this late could be the RB1 in San Francisco. But I also have to consider I have Jimmy G, right? So it would be the same bye week as Jimmy G. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I believe I could have taken Kareem Hunt, and it wouldn't have affected a bye week. But running back slim, right? And, and to me, Kareem Hunt's pretty much a flex player unless – Nick Chubb goes down. So do I take a player that I can start as my flex and hope for an injury? Or can I try to get a wide receiver that I think is going to have a huge year um, and a lot of touchdowns? So I decided to go with Robert Woods. And I think Robert Woods can be the number one in that offense. I think two years ago in this scoring, I think he had 255 points. And last year, he had 198 points, but he only had two touchdowns. So if he can improve on that, I'm happy with that. And again, his bye week does not interfere. So my three wide receiver bye weeks are wide receiver bye week 13, bye week 8, and bye week 9. All right, so I have three wide receivers, different bye weeks. I'm confident my wide receivers. Next up, goes Raheem Mostert so there goes my option or my opportunity to get Raheem Mostert um, later in the draft Um, I'm gonna have to do this guys when I drink a lot of bourbon my eyelids start to get heavy and you don't want to see someone that looks like they're they're fucking tired right it's been a long day man I've been I've been up since 430 and right now, 4.30 Eastern time, right now it's going on 10, 10 Eastern time. So I got to put the shades on because the eyelids are getting heavy. And I know you don't want to see that I'm getting tired on you. But I'm going strong, man. We're talking about this draft. So Raheem Mostert goes, which I'm a little upset about because I thought he was going to fall to me. And that was going to be terrific value for an RB1 if I could have got him in the 7th. But your boy, Joe Murphy again. Oh, wait, this is Murph. 1305. Shout out to Murph, 1305. He took Raheem. Next up is Big Ben. Well, shit. There goes my opportunity to stack Juju and Big Ben. That would have been a huge stack as a quarterback three. Because what we want to hope for right now this point in the draft, we want to hope for a wide receiver quarterback stack that just breaks the bank, that just completely uh, demolishes expectations. And with Big Ben coming back from injury and Juju coming back from injury, that combo could be dynamite. Dynamite. So I wanted to stack those two. And your boy... Um, Bill McCarthy, Super Duper Flex. I think he's got a podcast, actually, The Timeline. Um, I listened to him a couple times, so check him out. Uh, I think the Fantasy Timeline podcast. He might get second place. I'm going to get first place. So if you want to listen to the second place podcast, check your boy out. If you want to listen to the first place podcast, you're already tuned in. Cheers. And if I keep drinking like this, we might be on glass three before this podcast is over. We're right now at 55 minutes. 
And don't worry, because we're going to draft. And in this, we're going to draft live who our pick is going to be. And it's a good thing that I decided before I started this because I'm starting to feel this hunter proof and I don't want to make a mistake. But I already know who we're going to take. So we'll get there shortly. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. All right. So after Big Ben goes, Jared Goff goes. So fuck. When I didn't tell you this, but when I took Robert Woods, I said, well, if Jared Goff comes back, I'll stack Jared Goff and Robert Woods because you want to stack a wide receiver and a quarterback just in case they go off, just in case they exceed the expectations and just have a career year. Jared Goff and Robert Woods would have been good. Big Ben and Juju would have been good. But no, these guys want to fuck up my strategy and they want to take my players. So now I'm thinking, all right, maybe I'll take Drew Locke late and then I'll stack him with Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy or Noah Fant. Mm, but that shit doesn't work either. And I'll tell you why. Because the next pick goes Cortland Sutton. So there goes my idea of stacking Cortland Sutton and Drew or Drew Locke. All right. And then. That's 6-12, Keenan Allen goes, which is a huge, huge pick right there. 7-1, that's tremendous value at 7-1. Keenan Allen, the number one receiver in L.A., I would have loved to have him because right now my strategy is stack as many wide receivers one as we can um, to offset the fact that we have no running backs. Um, and we just got to fill three three wide receivers plus flex. So I'm just trying to get as many wide receiver ones as until the well dries up. After Keenan Allen goes Terry McLaurin. Fucking Terry McLaurin. Are you kidding me? Terry McLaurin. The Redskins. The Redskins are fucking garbage. I, I mean, I know they have no wide receivers. But Terry McLaurin. Under Ron Rivera, like, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that pick. I wasn't a fan of Terry McLaurin coming out. I wasn't a fan of Debo Samuels coming out. I wasn't a fan of DK Metcalf coming out. And all three of them had really good rookie seasons. So either I fucking lost my touch and I don't know how to evaluate, or there were some fluky seasons last year and because i just have confidence in my process i'm gonna bet that there's fluky seasons all right now watching mclaurin out of the three i think mclaurin is probably the best out of dk and debo um but there's a lot more receivers that i'd rather have than terry mclaurin but for argument purposes i can see why you can think terry mclaurin is going to soak up every target in that offense because who else do they have steven sims Kelvin Harmon, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I mean, no tight ends, no running backs. I mean, I can see where volume is king. The thought process is Terry McLaurin is going to get everything. Uh, so I can't really knock the pick. I just I wouldn't make it myself. Um, let's see where are we at here. Uh, next one's Tyler Lockett, super duper flex. 
I do like Tyler Lockett. My plan was when I when I drafted Russell Wilson because I knew I was going to get Russell Wilson in the second round. I was going to stack him with Tyler Lockett and just live off that because Seattle's running game this year is probably going to be garbage. Um, but when Russell Wilson went off the board, there goes my strategy for stacking Tyler Lockett. So I don't really care for Tyler Lockett like like naked. I would rather have Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson, but I can't knock you for the pick because, I mean, he, he might have a good season. Uh, let's see where are we at. Then 7-4, Joe Burrow. Ugh. Joe Burrow, a rookie in the NFL. That's a little early for quarterbacks, but in Dynasty, all right. But first year, I mean, how good do you have to be as a rookie to to – to return value at 7-4, Joe Burrow. I mean, unless they're passing all the time, but I, I just can't. I can't see it. Then your boy's up, 7-5. All right. 7-5. All right. This is, to me, this pick right here is going to make or break my season. All right. Here. Let me get my eyes up. This pick right here is going to make or break my season. I have three players that I want right here. I want Kareem Hunt because we've talked about his potential to to be a league winner. I want Mark Ingram. All right. And the reason I want Mark Ingram is because let's just say there's no NFL preseason. These rookies are not going to have time to learn the offense, get acclimated to the offense. I mean, some will, but not all of them will. And I don't know if J.K. Dobbins is going to get acclimated to the offense quickly. So I think Mark Ingram is going to be a very good running back one, especially this late in the draft. So I have a potential Mark Ingram, number one, and I have a Cream Hunt, number one. Well, not number one, but if Chubb goes down, he could be a number one. So I'm considering these two running backs, but then I got an angel on one side. I got the devil on the other side, and the devil's telling me, the angels are saying, go running back. You have one running back. Go running back. Do the right thing. Go running back. And the devil is telling me, Brad. Go wide receiver one. There's still a few wide receivers ones. I projected, looking at my chart here, I projected on the way down that um, a few, once I pick here, wide receiver is going to start thinning out real quick. So there's very few wide receiver ones left. And, and, the, and the wide receivers left are, here, let me tell you who 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 could have been picked. Um, after Robert Woods, we had, um, well, after Tyler Lockett and Terry McLaurin. All right. So we had Devonte Parker. We had Stefan Diggs. Um, AJ Green. And DJ Chark. So I'm not sure what you guys, girls at home are scoring Think about those four wide receivers. But the devil's telling me, go with 
wide receiver ones, find wide receiver ones that could really exceed expectations and win you a league. So I start to look at DJ Chark. And you guys know I'm a fan of Visca. I love Visca. But DJ Chark finished, I think, wide receiver 14 last year. And he he was injured. I, I think it was 14. Maybe he was a little later than 14. He was injured a few games. And Minshew loved, Minshew loved him. And so I'm debating between a wide receiver one or a running back, which Mark Ingram, let's say I'm wrong. Let's say J.K. Dobbins comes in and he's he's the man. And let's just say Kareem Hunt is just a flex player all year. But DJ Chark is wide receiver one. What do you do? Well, I look at bye weeks and I say, you know what? Let's go ahead and add another wide receiver. And I pull the trigger on DJ Chark. So I pulled the trigger on DJ Chark, which I'm happy about. Because if he doesn't get injured, he could he could really have a good season this year. So my wide receivers are looking really nice. I have a wide receiver by week 13 in Godwin. I have a wide receiver 8 by week in Juju. I have a wide receiver by week 9 in uh, Robert Woods. And now I have a wide receiver by week 7 in DJ Chark. So none of my receivers have the same by week. So I'm happy about that. Until the next few picks. Which, because I'm playing Russian roulette, I'm like, well, if I keep passing on Ingram or I keep passing on Hunt, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll keep falling. Maybe, just maybe, Hunt or Ingram falls in my next pick because nobody wants them. So I took GDA Chark hoping that that happened. Well, that ended very quickly. The next pick was Evan Ingram, which is a great pick for tight end if he comes back healthy. Then Devin Singletary. Then Kareem Hunt at 7-8. I'm like, fuck. Damn, you guys. That's who I wanted. But I have no one to blame but myself because running backs are getting thin. So I know the owners are like, we we got to get running backs because they're getting thin. Someone takes Kareem Hunt. Someone takes Stephon Diggs. Like I said, receivers are also going to get low. Then someone takes Mark Ingram. Damn it. There goes two running backs that I really love. They're gone. Then Hayden Hurst. Maybe it's a tight end run. Then T.Y. Hilton. Another wide receiver one off the board. Then 8-1 goes Derek Carr. Which in this... Scoring format, Derek Carr had a very good season last year. I'm worried that if they don't do good, uh, Gruden is going to pull him and take Mariota. I mean, there's there's debates. There's a rumor I heard about Mariota was only signed because there's a lot of um, Hawaiian or or what do they call them, Norwegian population. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what the Hawaiian population is called. I don't think it's hawaiian or norwegian i think it's something else but there was a rumor that Marietta was signed because there's a lot of that population in in um, vegas and it would please the fan base but i don't believe that because i believe gruden loves a quarterback that can run the football 
and he's not scared, and Derek Carr is scared, and he can't run the ball. So I wasn't a big fan of Carr. Uh, no matter what he did last year, I think that if he doesn't perform, I think he's going to get the boot, and I think Mariota's going to come in and play. So I wasn't a fan of Carr. Um, after Carr goes, then it's Michael Gallup. That owner goes back-to-back, 6-1, or I'm sorry, 7-12, T.Y. 8-1, Derek Carr. Then 8-2, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup. Okay, I like Michael Gallup, but he's a wide receiver too. There's still players out there that I believe are wide receiver ones. But it's an explosive offense, so I can't knock him for that. Then Devontae Parker, which is a great pick because Devontae could be the number one. As long as Ryan Fitzmagic is the quarterback... And Devontae Parker wasn't a one-year wonder, which he very well could have been because he hasn't done shit for four years. He decided to do something one year, um, and we don't know what he's going to bring this year. But I definitely would have considered him at my next pick if he was available because he has the profile of a wide receiver one with Preston Williams coming back from an ACL injury, my boy Gary Jennings Jr. coming back from an ACL injury, uh, Albert Wilson, I mean – Parker's lined up to be a wide receiver one, but I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do in Miami. I mean, I believe that with no preseason, I don't think they're going to play Tua. I think Tua is probably going to take the year off. But if he doesn't take the year off, he's probably going to play maybe the last few games of the season just to kind of get his feet wet going into the 2021 season. So Fitzmagic should be the starter through the year. And if Parker decides to play... And he got a big contract last year. He could be, he could be a surprise of the of the draft. He could be a surprise player of the draft um, at wide receiver. After Devontae Parker, then Darius Geis, which dude's got all the talent in the world, can't stay healthy for anything. Just has bad luck. Hopefully his knees aren't degraded so bad that he gets hurt again. Um, so I'm actually hoping that that pick is good. Um, Jason Filter, at Jason Filt, I think, took Darius guys. So I can't hate you for that. Then goes Jarvis Landry, the guy who's been in the top 24. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We're empty. We got to get more. Because we are creeping up. We're creeping up on my pick. We're going to do it live. We are going to do it live in the Roto Lounge. For all of you Scott Fishbowl fans, we're going to do this pick live. All right, so Jarvis Landry goes. I think he's been top 24 every year he's been in the league. That's when the podcast started. We got updates where Jarvis Landry gets drafted. Than Drew Locke. So I specifically pointed out five quarterbacks that I wanted to be my quarterback three. And that was Big Ben. That was Drew Locke. Well, Big Ben to, to pair with Juju, which was gone. Drew Locke. No, I couldn't pair him with Sutton because Sutton was gone. But if I took him, he was a bye week eight, which was different than my other two quarterbacks. And I could pair him with Judy or Noah Fant. That's gone. 
The other quarterback was Phillip Rivers, which I could pair him with Paris Campbell, perhaps Jack Doyle, uh, perhaps some other um, players later. And Gardner Minshew. All right. Now I have DJ Chark. All right. And DJ Chark is wider or uh, by week seven. So that means that Gardner Minshew is by week seven. My quarterbacks right now are quarterback by week six and by week 11. Gardner Minshew can run. Gardner Minshew should be the starter all season as long as he stays healthy. Now, I don't think he's the future of Jacksonville, but I think he is quarterback right now because I think Jacksonville probably wants Trevor Lawrence or um, Justin Fields. But I think Minshew could have some big games. He can run the ball. I think they're going to be behind, so he could he could um, score a lot. Um, so those are the quarterbacks that I wanted. Big Ben, Drew Locke, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff was the other one, and Gardner Minshew. All right? And looking at my projections, all right, after I took DJ Shark, I projected a quarter I projected one quarterback to go. And then on my way back, team four has two quarterbacks, team three has two quarterbacks, team two has one quarterback, and team one has two quarterbacks. So what that tells me is team two is probably banking on Cam Newton as their quarterback. Because Cam Newton is going very late. And to be honest, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Cam Newton. I know the Patriots love Jarrett Stidham. You guys know I love Jarrett Stidham. But when Cam Newton's healthy, he's a top five quarterback. But the question is, can he stay healthy? But because Team 2, their draft has been running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, I believe that Cam Newton is in their eyesight. Or, or you know, so... They can take Cam Newton. I mean, it could it could win you the whole tournament. If Cam Newton is a top five quarterback and you get him this late, he could win you the tournament. But Drew Locke goes at eight six, so they're cross out a line of Drew Locke. I, I really wanted Drew Locke. I think he could have a great season with all the offensive weapons he has there. Eight seven Philip Rivers. Psh- Crossed off. So now I have Goff gone, Big Ben gone, Locke gone, and Phillip Rivers gone. Now your boy Roto Lounge is on the clock. And as we talked about, I want a quarterback three. Just in case Drew Brees gets hurt. Just in case Jimmy G is not who I thought he was. I'm down to six hours and 48 minutes. So that means we've been recording for over an hour. Uh Uh-oh, Twitter, hold on. Rode says, if Rode Lounge is going to take a fortnight, to draft his squad, I feel like it should be mandatory that he win the league. 
I can draft a quick agreement we can all sign. Hold on, let me respond real quick. Doing live podcast. Just read tweet about to pick. I should say sucka. Sucka. All right. So, fuck this guy. No, just kidding. I, I don't I don't really personally take these guys. I have a good time. But we're about to make a pick. Third glass of bourbon. And you know what? We're not going running backs. Fuck running backs. We're going Minshew Mania. Hey, Minshew Mania. Because you know what? Minshew Mania doesn't have the same bye week as any of my players. Right? Let's check bye weeks real quick before I make this pick. Uh, bye weeks. Minshew Mania. Jacksonville week seven. All right, so he's going to have the same bye week as Chark. That's it. So I'm going to have my quarterbacks by week 6, 11, and 7. Minshew teamed up with Chark. Could break the bank. Motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So let me cue this up. Hold on. Let me take my glasses off because I'm going to end up fucking up. If you're not watching this on YouTube, check out YouTube because my glasses are on and off and on and off. Sunglasses, not eyeglasses. All right, select a player. We are going search name Minshew. There he is, Gardner Minshew. Select player. Submit draft pick. So all you listening to the Roto Lounge, Gardner Minshew, we're about to submit this draft pick. Listen, if you're not part of the Bourbon Bowl, I want you to go and I want you to leave a review for my podcast on Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast. Leave me a review. I didn't even say it had to be good. I didn't even say it had to be good. If you think I'm fucking stupid leave me a stupid po- stupid review dm me the screenshot and you can get in the bourbon bowl and we'll whoop your ass but you can still get in it all right follow me on twitter at roto lounge instagram roto lounge fucking we're gonna kill it this year after scott fishbowl's over we're gonna do the bourbon bowl it's gonna be fun as hell i'm gonna send y'all fucking bourbon Cheers. Hey, look, we've already got half the decanter down just from this just from this podcast. Representing muscles. Muscle division. Shout out to everybody in my league. I appreciate y'all. Y'all are doing a hell of a job, but I'm winning this draft. I am winning this fucking draft. Gardner Minshew, we about to submit it. Welcome. Submit. Mm. Draft Gardner Minshew, question mark. Yes, sir. Hold on. Submitting drafts. All right, cheers. All right. I will do a podcast next week. Talk about how far we've gone in Scott Fishbowl. 
I appreciate all y'all sticking around. I love you to death. Keep tuning in the Roto Lounge. Keep drinking your bourbon. Go find early times, bottle and bond, hunter proof. If not, maybe you can win it. Maybe you can win in the bourbon bowl. If that's what you want, the winner's going to get to choose what bourbon they want. I love you guys and girls. Holla at me. Muscle Division. Scott Fishbowl. Till next time. This has been the Roto Lounge. <laughs>